used to sigh and reject. He took on our grief and carried our sorrows. He was pierced for our wickedness and crushed for our sins. He was whipped so we could be healed. He died on the cross so we could be forgiven. Can anything separate us from God's love? We know that in everything, God works for those who love Him. He chose us. This was His plan to get us back. If God is for us, who can be against us? And God is for us. His own Son suffered for us. So now with Jesus, God will surely give us all things. You can choose the people that God has chosen. No one. God is the one who makes the life. Who can say that God's people are guilty? Nobody. Jesus Christ died for us. That's not all. Very early Sunday morning, the woman came to the tomb where Jesus' body was laid. They saw the heavy stone which rolled away. The body of Jesus was missing. And two men in shining clothes appeared to them and said, Jesus isn't here. He's alive. He was raised from death and ascended to heaven. And now he is at God's right side advocating for us. Can anything separate us from God's love? Can trouble or problems or persecution separate us from God's love? If we have no food or clothes or face danger, will that separate us from his love? No, in all these troubles, we have complete victory in God through what Jesus has done for us. I am sure that nothing can separate us from God's love. Not death. No angels. No angels. Nothing now or in the future. No powers. Nothing Nothing can separate us from the love that God showed us through Jesus Christ. Thanks to our kids ministry, Mosaic Kids, uh, for putting that together for us. Uh, aren't kids amazing? And um, if you dropped your kids off in our kids area this morning, trust that they're hearing about Jesus today, they're, um, and they're just going to have a great time. And, and so thanks for trusting us with your kiddos. But hey, welcome to church once again. My name is Joe. I'm the pastor here at Mosaic Church, and it is just an honor, a huge honor for me to be able to bring God's Word to you on such a special day day. And so thanks for coming. And, and regardless of what is in the oven right now, if, if you got your ham or, or whatever you're eating today, um, I know just me mentioning it probably starts, you know, starts to get you a little hungry. But hey, let's put all that aside for just a moment. Maybe you're going to be getting together with family today and that's a little stressful. You know, sometimes it can be. Um, but, but whatever's happening in your life, you know, maybe just for a few minutes, you know, think about the fact that there's hope. And that life could be a little bit different. And that this isn't just a day you're checking off the calendar. You know, we really want Mosaic Church to be a safe place for people who are searching for answers, right? And so I want to encourage you right from the get-go, come back next week. Keep searching. It's worth it. Your life is worth it. And so, like I said, my name's Joe. I've got my wife, Jolie, she's back with the kids today, uh, leading the elementary uh, ministry. Um, I've got a son, Jason, Levi, and Jovi, who are all in Milford schools right here in town. Uh, we've been here at Mosaic uh, a little over a year and a half, and um, we are just loving it. It's really feeling like home. We love this community, and we're having a great time here at the church. But let's talk about today um, why we're all here, right? It's Easter, and it's more than just bunnies and candy. Funny side story right off the get-go. Um, believe it or not, <clears throat> bunnies do not make everything better. 
regardless of what Peter Rabbit and these movies want you to think, um, it's not always, uh, you know, all cute and, and, and cuddly. You know, my wife came home one time with a bunny without asking. Has anybody ever been there? It's like, shouldn't this be a family decision? And here comes my wife and my, my beautiful little daughter, Jovi, in with the bunny. And dad, isn't it so cute, right? And I'm like, what? And it turns into all kinds of work for me. And I, next thing you know, I'm building a hutch. And, um, and the, the bunny is, is going to the bathroom everywhere. And it's like, what happened to my life, right? But thankfully, Easter is more than just bunnies and candy. And so today we're just going to ask ourselves this question, what difference does Easter make? What difference does Easter make? The last, uh, the last few weeks here at Mosaic, we've been in this series called Risen, okay? And you can check it out online. You know, all of our messages are available there and on our, our Mosaic Church app, and so you can, you can get caught up. But we've been talking about how the history of mankind hinges on this one word, the word risen. It's a powerful word. He is risen. And I believe that this word, it changes everything. It changes, it changed history. It changes everything. And Paul says it like this in 1 Corinthians 15, 14. He says, and if Christ has not been raised, then all our preaching is useless and your faith is useless. Now, I'm a, I'm a church kid. My, my dad was a pastor and my dad is an amazing preacher. But being a pastor's kid, I've been in a lot of different churches. Um, I traveled a lot with my dad growing up. He would travel all over the place. I've heard a lot of different preachers. I've heard a lot of different messages. And, and so I would, I would say that I've sat through a sermon or two that I walked away and I'm like, well, that was kind of useless. I'm not sure I got anything out of that. And so, but that's, that's one thing. That might be an error in communication or in delivery. Today we're talking about, no, if Christ wasn't raised then the message that we're preaching is useless. Your faith is useless. Those are some pretty big words from the Apostle Paul. And so because of this, we were saying in this series that everything hinges on the fact that Jesus rose from the dead. Think about it. If Jesus didn't actually rise from the dead, then he was just another teacher. He was just another religious leader. I don't know about you, but I need something real. I need something real. I don't need just a, a dead and lifeless religion. I need something real. I'm not gonna live my whole life, go through the routine, raise my kids, send them to school, hopefully they get a job, hopefully they move out of the house someday, right? I'm not gonna go through all of that just to go through it, no. There needs to be meaning and purpose to my life. Now, some of you are here today just to appease family. It's your once a year trip to church. You're just along for the ride. And to you, man, I just want to say I'm so glad that you're here. So glad that you're here. Some of you are here today because you're, you're legitimately searching for answers. And you figured that Easter was as good as day as any to find some answers. And so you're here looking for him today. Some of you are, are just barely holding on to your faith because life has happened and it didn't happen like you wanted or thought. And you're just, you're just holding out for hope that maybe, maybe it could get better. But wherever you are in the journey, life has a way. Life has a way of testing our faith, doesn't it? 
Life has a way of making us ask some really tough questions like this one that Paul is asking, that if Christ wasn't raised, then, then it's all useless. Back in college, I didn't own a car. I, I, I lived downtown Minneapolis. It's kind of a cool place because there's skyways that connect almost all the buildings. And so I could just go a block or two from the, the university I was at, jump in some buildings and not get outside again. Uh, because you just walk through downtown and through the skyways. It was pretty awesome. And so for this reason, I lived downtown. I was close to my work. I didn't need a car. But I, I happened to, to be serving and working at a church that, that was about 30 minutes away from the school. And, and so I, I would normally just like hitchhike with friends downtown or down, down to the church. But during my last semester, a supervisor at work, he lent me a car. Now, before you're like, man, Joe, that's awesome. Let me tell you about the car. I've got a picture on the screen. It was a Dodge Colt. I mean, this thing was like, uh, might as well be a pregnant roller skate. You know what I mean? <coughs> and so, um, but this one, <coughs> this one looks way better than the one I had. And so just imagine this amazing car. Man, this one got me a lot of, of dates, right? But um, this, my car had been in a wreck and, and the, the, the front hood was kind of crinkled and it was held down by a wire that wrapped around the front bumper. And so when I drove down the highway, the hood would shake and it would make all kinds of noises. The car had a massive hole in, somewhere in the exhaust. And so it sounded like it didn't have a muffler. And so it was like Dodge Cold meets Harley, right? It was loud. I'm surprised I never got a ticket driving this thing. And so everyone knew I was coming, right? You know, no girl wanted to be picked up in a date in this hot ride, you know? And so <clears throat> this, this car, I looked it up. It was $7,500 brand new. How many of you would like to buy a brand new car for $7,500? Come on, somebody, right? <clears throat> and so, you know, the hood is shaking in the wind. Guess what? There's no heat in this car. And I'm driving this smack dab in the middle of winter in Minneapolis, Minnesota, when on a normal day, like it's hitting minus five. And so, you know, this was, this was nothing to write home about, but man, I'm, I'm, I'm a senior in college. I'm living on the edge and I was just happy to have some wheels. And so I, I was a valet driver. And so, man, I was driving this car like the Indy 500. And so I'm flying around Minneapolis, skidding through the snow, hitting the, hitting the emergency brake. I'm, I'm having a great time, right? Now I knew that this lot car probably had a short lifespan, but did I care? No, I had some wheels. I, get, I got to get to church. I didn't have to ask somebody for a ride. I had freedom. And I was able to put my faith in that unreliable car then. I don't think I could now, right? I'm not putting my kids in the back of that car. I was young and dumb. I didn't care. I didn't think about what could happen in this, this rust bucket of a car. But all the problems that that car had, and guess what? The only thing that ever went wrong that entire semester with that car was a flat tire. Can you imagine? And so I'm out there on the side of the road, it's snowing, I'm changing the flat tire, and I'm like, of all the things that could go wrong with this car, and it was just a dumb flat tire. The tires were the thing that I couldn't live without. And that experience just taught me something when it comes to perspective. 
right? Many times we think we can't live without a lot of things. We think we can't live without that house. We feel like we can't live without that relationship. Some of you feel like you can't live without Starbucks. Some of you guys, you feel like you can't live without that truck or those tools or whatever your life might want. But here's what I learned. It doesn't matter if it's the beater or the Bugatti. I showed my son a car. It's not even been built yet. It's in the process of being built. The most expensive car ever sold was was the deal was made recently. And Bugatti sold some guy a car for eighteen point seven million dollars. But guess what? It doesn't matter if it's the Colt or the Bugatti. It's not going anywhere without the tires. It's not going anywhere. Both cars can't ride without them. Where the rubber meets the road was all that mattered. And when life happens in your life and in mine, it becomes immediately clear what's really important. I would submit to you that the most important thing in your life that you absolutely can't live without, you can't go one mile without, is your faith. Now you may have have gotten by for a while, just like I did in the cult, and, and, and you might not have the best life. You know, it might be held together with bailing wire and string. But at some point or another, your faith is going to be needed. Why? Because it's the only thing in your life that will outlast your life. The only thing. And our faith is founded in the fact that Jesus was resurrected. Man, people look at the Bible and they kind of think, well, I like that and I like that and I like that. And man, Jesus is kind of cool. And yeah, he died for me. That's awesome. But no, the, the biggest part of the whole story is the fact that he raised from the dead. This is the glue that holds it all together. If that didn't happen, Jesus was just another dude. It's like the tires on the car. It's where the rubber meets the road. You see, you can't believe that Jesus rose from the dead and just let it be religion. Just a list of do's and don'ts, just a list of of morally good things that make you feel better about yourself. No, this is the one thing that holds it all together. It's the one thing. And so I wanna just ask you the question today. What What is the one thing holding your faith together? What's the one thing keeping you on the road? Or maybe you have a spiritual flat tire. Maybe your faith has wavered. Maybe doubt has crept in. And so today I want to unpack why the resurrection isn't just something we celebrate one day a year. But literally, it's the foundation of our faith and the key to victory in your daily life. And so if you want to, I got some some sheets on your seats. Um, Grab that sheet or open the Mosaic Church app. The notes are there as well. Uh, There's some pens in the seat back pocket in front of you. I like to write while I listen. It helps me remember more. And so fill in the blanks as we go today and let's engage God's word. The first thing that we see from the Easter story is that without the resurrection, Number one, our faith is useless. We already read this verse, but let's read it again. And if Christ has not been raised, then all our preaching is useless and your faith is useless. 
Listen, when you don't believe or apply the fact that Jesus was raised from the dead, when we don't apply this to our life, our whole faith crumbles. And a useless faith, a faith that can't be applied to our daily life, is why so many people stop pursuing God. They go to church and they're like, eh, take it or leave it. It's not really helping me. And if you've ever felt like that, man, you're not alone. There's a lot of people that just, they just kind of take a, a lackadaisical attitude when they come to their faith. Why? Because, because they feel like it's not useful to their everyday life. Their questions go unanswered. They, they don't get the peace that they're searching for. They, they can't navigate their hurt and their pain. Sometimes, you know, our faith gets derailed by relationships and, and, and just, just bombs that maybe go off in our relationships. There's two reasons, you know, they say why everyone isn't a Christian. One is that they never met a Christian. They never met anybody that told them about Jesus. But then the other reason why is that they met a Christian. And maybe your faith is, has become useless because you're basing it all on that person that hurt you way back in that church somewhere in that relationship. There's a lot of things that could render your faith useless. No one wants a useless faith. But I just want to challenge you today, if you can't hear the transformative message of Christ and the fact that he's alive and he wants to be alive in you and he wants to bring you out of your dead life and into a new life in Christ, if you can't hear the message of Christ through your circumstance, then it becomes a useless faith. Without the resurrection, our faith is useless. The second thing we see is that without the resurrection, I'm stuck in my sin. I'm stuck in my sin. 1 Corinthians 15, 17 says, and if, you're, and if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is useless and you're still guilty of your sins. Man, I don't know about you, but when I have guilt in my life, it's a heavy, heavy burden and I can't shake it. It weighs me down. How many of you know that regret will eat you alive? Some of you are still struggling with regret, choices that you made years and years and years and years ago, and they're still haunting you today. And it's almost like you just can't leave the past behind and live a different life because of what you did back then. And if there's no resurrection, then you're stuck there. Can you imagine being weighed down and never getting to take the weight off? My boys have really gotten into um, backpacking lately the 16 and the 14 year old, this last Friday night. Um, and now some of you are gonna judge me and think I'm a bad parent, but just, just, uh, just wear with me. I drop my 16 and my 14 year old off at East Fork Lake and I take off. And they walk into the woods with their backpacks and um, they're there for the night. And I picked them up the next day. And, and so uh, they love it. They took a, a couple steaks with them. They grabbed them out of the freezer, threw them in the backpack. They, they took a couple potatoes, just raw potatoes. So they get to the fire, they cut them all up. They, they, they skewer the steak on a couple sticks and roast it over the fire. They're like, oh, we're men, right? And so they slept out there in the middle of nowhere and just had the time of their life, right? But to do so, they gotta wear these huge backpacks. Levi's backpack, I think, weighed more than he did. Right? He's 14, but he's like, oh, I got it, Dad. And, and he is a strong kid. But can you imagine carrying that big backpack forever? 
Can you imagine carrying around everything that you need for life all on your own shoulders and never being able to put it down? Right? It'd get old. You can't carry it forever. Listen, the greatest lie that this world has to offer is that sin is not real or destructive. Listen, sin is the number one reason why people who have everything still feel empty and without a purpose. And it's, it's like this big, huge pack on their back that they just can't put down. And it's heavy, and it weighs on you. And it's not like a fun little backpacking trip where you just get to carry it for a little and, and then you put it down. No sin. It seems fun for a time. It seems like, oh, I'm having a good time. And then it's like, oh my goodness, I can't get rid of this weight. Listen, you'll never find purpose and freedom when you're weighted down by sin, shame, and regret. And without the resurrection, you're stuck there. Number three. The third thing that we learn from the resurrection is that without it, I'm without hope. 1 Corinthians 15, 18 through 19 says, In that case, all who have died believing in Christ are lost. And if our hope in Christ is only for this life, we are more, we are more to be pitied than anyone else in the world. No hope. Have you ever been there? Just feel completely hopeless? And Paul's saying, if our, if our hope only lies in this life, then what is the point? And there has to be more. There has to be more than this. Listen, only faith in Jesus Christ promises eternity. Only faith in Jesus Christ promises that you can know that you know that you know without a doubt, if you breathe your last breath today, where you're going to take your next one. Only faith in Jesus Christ. Buddhism teaches that there's an eightfold path, and, and if you follow that path, you may eventually find the truth. Hinduism says that the, the truth is very elusive, and you may never find it. That's not hopeful. Muhammad said that he's a prophet, and he points to the truth. Jesus comes on the scene, and he says, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So Jesus is coming and giving hope that no one else could give. Right? Without Jesus, though, and without him being able to give life, resurrected life, we're without hope. But here's where we turn the corner today. Because the resurrection was real, because it was witnessed by people, because over 500 people saw Jesus face to face in the flesh after he was resurrected, because we have all these historical accounts that are traced unbroken all the way from the apostles' writings all the way until now, because we know that it actually happened, because the resurrection was real, number one, you could serve a living Savior. A living Savior. Not a dead and lifeless religion. A living Savior that gives you freedom from your past. You can have a living faith. Not a dead faith. Here, what we say here at Mosaic Church is that life is too short not to enjoy church. And I just want to tell you. That is so true. Listen, if you're not enjoying your relationship with Christ, then you're doing it wrong. 
And I'm not saying that everything is going to be, you know, uh, balloons and tulips and skipping through the flowers and bubbles and, and just life is going to be perfect all the time. No, it won't. Jesus said so. In this life, you will have many trials. But Jesus said he came to give you life and life to the full, right? And so because what Jesus did and how he rose again on the, on the third day, you know, we can have life and life to the full because we live, serve a living Savior. Ephesians 2, 1 says, once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. But then in verse four, it said, but God is so rich in mercy and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. Amen. And then it says, it's only by God's grace that you've been saved. See, it's not a dead faith. It's a living hope. It's a living faith. On the morning of the resurrection in Luke chapter 24, listen to what happened in verse one through eight. You can follow along in the screens. It says, but very early on Sunday morning, the women went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. They found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance, so they went in. But they didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. As they stood there puzzled, two men suddenly appeared to them clothed in dazzling robes. The women were terrified and bowed their faces with their faces to the ground. Then the men asked, why are you looking among the dead for someone who is alive? He isn't here. He's risen from the dead. Remember what he told you back in Galilee, that the Son of Man must be betrayed into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and that he would rise again on the third day. Then they remembered that he had said this. Now, if you haven't been here the last couple weeks, you know, this isn't going to be as impactful for you. But just so you know, over the last couple of weeks, multiple times, we talked about how Jesus over and over and over predicted his death and his resurrection. He told the disciples verbatim that he was going to be betrayed. He was going to be uh, tortured. He was going to die. And on the third day, he was going to be raised again. Even the people, not just his close circle, but the people knew that he claimed he was good, that this was going to happen. This was a widely known fact that Jesus said he was going to die and rise again. And then it happened. And yet, and this is where you, you need to really stop and check yourself a little bit as I, I'm checking myself. The people closest to him when it was staring him right in the face, didn't even put two and two together. Angel is like, hey, remember what he told you? And then he had the angels repeat it again. And then finally they're like, oh yeah, I remember that he said that, right? Man, which begs the question, how did they forget? How did they forget? Which begs the question, how do we forget? How do we so easily slip into a dead faith, a dead faith that doesn't affect our daily lives, that doesn't affect our choices, that doesn't determine how we live, that doesn't determine the direction in which we're running, that doesn't change anything about our family, that doesn't change anything about how we live, that doesn't, that, that when people look at our lives, there's nothing different 
than the rest of the world. Right? Man, I'm preaching to myself today too. We serve a living Savior. We serve a living Savior. And because Jesus is alive, we got to remember it. And when we apply this faith to our life, we are serving a living Savior. Man, when I, when I read this, I ask myself, how do we live any other way than completely and utterly transformed by the actions of Christ? How do we do it? Maybe because there's a difference between hearing something and believing something. And this is where some of you are at today. You've heard it before. You've heard the story. You've come to Easter. You've heard that Jesus is alive, but it has never gone from your ears to your heart. It's as if the words came to life in these, in these ladies' hearts, right? In this moment, when the, when the angels spoke it just one more time, remember what Jesus said. It's as if at that moment, they're like, oh, yeah. And I believe that there's some people in here today that are going to have that aha moment. And your faith is going to go from a dead faith to a living faith. Amen? Maybe. This is your moment. A few verses later in verse 11, it says that the women, they run back, they tell the guys, right? And what does it say? The, but the story sounded like nonsense to the men. Kind of funny, isn't it? The story sounded like nonsense to the men. Remember, the 12 guys that had been walking with Jesus, that had seen all these miracles, had seen people be healed, saw Jesus raise Lazarus from the dead, but the story sounded like nonsense to them. So they didn't believe it. However, Peter jumped up and ran to the tomb to look. Stooping, he peered in and saw the empty linen wrappings. Then he went home again, wondering what had happened. Are you still wondering what had happened? Are you still searching? Where are you at today? I just want to encourage you, if you're still wondering, keep wondering, keep searching, keep looking. God's word can come alive in your heart at any moment. At any moment. Keep reading your Bible. Keep looking for answers. Maybe at the moment you least expect it, it's going to come alive in your life. Number two, because of the resurrection is real, I can have a resurrected life. Listen, the resurrection gives us purpose for now. It lets you have a different life now. It gives you purpose for now. It gives you a second chance. I don't know about you, but I love second chances. I love do-overs. Yes, just let me take a mulligan. Here we go. Let's do it again. It gives you hope from the ashes. Some of you, you've, you, your life has fallen apart, your family's fallen apart, whatever has happened. Man, life just doesn't look good. But because of what Jesus did, you can have a new life. Some of you, your dreams have died. Life didn't work out. It's just you've been put through the ringer. And, and you're just like, I'm, I'm not even going to try to dream anymore. Right? But because of the resurrection, you can have a different outlook. You know, some of you are like, everything's great in my life. I've got the house, I've got the car, I've got the salary, I've got the kids. You know, everything is good. But in the quiet of the night, when you lay in your bed and your head hits the pillow, there's still this empty place in your heart. And you just feel like, man, I should be really happy, but I'm not. The answer, a new life every day. 
You know what the Bible says? It says that his mercies are new every single day. You know what the Bible says in Romans 8, 11? It says the spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead can live in you. When you are a follower of Christ, when you seek him, when you go after him, the, the Bible says that, that God deposits his spirit in your heart and you are a new creation in Christ and you have a resurrected life. In Colossians 2.12, it says, for you were buried with Christ when you were baptized and with him, you were raised to new life because you trusted the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. So you see, there's this connection between when Jesus rose from the dead and when you give your heart and your life to Christ and, and, and you decide, hey, I'm going to go public with my faith. I'm going to get baptized. You're, you're, you're showing the world what has already happened in your life. We say that baptism doesn't save people. It's what saved people do. And it's this incredible symbol. And why do we celebrate baptism, which we're going to do in just a few weeks? Why do we do that? Because it shows the world what Jesus has done, that he died and he rose again, and it can happen in my life too. A resurrected life walks out of the grave into a new life. You see, it wasn't just Jesus that got to walk out of the grave. You get to walk into a new life today because of what Jesus did for you. Jesus rose from the dead to show you the way, to show you that you can go from death to life and have purpose for now. And number three, as we wrap up today, and, and we're going to worship a little bit more together in a moment as we respond to this word. <clears throat> Number three, because the res resurrection is real, I can have a living hope. I can have a living hope. And so the first benefit is that I can have a living Savior, which means my past is taken care of. I'm forgiven of my sin. The second is that I can have this resurrected life, which means I get to have purpose for now. And the third thing that we get to have is a living hope. And hope has to do with the future, right? It has to do with the future. And I just want you to know today, your future can be secured in Christ. It can be secured in Christ. You know, we worry so much about security in this life. And I've got a retirement account too. And you know, yes, I wanna provide for my family when I'm gone. And so I'm gonna be a good steward of my finances, right? But at some point, sometimes we can get a little bit off kilter and we make security in this life more important than security in the next life. What about the next? Listen, we have hope that Jesus is still alive, still today. He didn't just rise from the dead back then and then die again. No, he's still alive. And the Bible teaches us that he's coming back again. I love how it says it in 1 Corinthians 15, 52. It says, but let me reveal to you a wonderful secret. We will not all die, but we will all be transformed. It will happen in a moment, in the blink of an eye, when the last trumpet is blown. For when the trumpet sounds, those who have died will be raised to live forever, and we who are living will also be transformed. Man, this is, this is the foreshadowing. This is telling us what is to come. That listen, Jesus is coming back again. And it says that when he comes back for his church, those who have already died that were in Christ Jesus that had a relationship with him will literally rise up out of those graves and have a new body in Christ. Hope for the future. This life is not all there is. We're gonna spend eternity with Jesus in heaven when you are in Christ. Man, this is hope. 
Some of us, man, we put all of our hope eggs in one basket. Retirement, security, a good job, this or that. But hey, don't you get a little fired up knowing that Jesus is coming back? Don't you get a little fired up knowing that he's preparing a place for you? Don't you get a little fired up knowing that this life is not all there is? And sometimes we just need a little perspective reset like that. That this isn't all there is. And thank God. Because if you're anything like me, your life didn't turn out just like you thought. Right? 1 Corinthians 15, 54 through 55 says, Then, when our dying bodies have been transformed into bodies that will never die, and some of you that have aches and pains and hurts, and, and maybe you've got family members that are sick and their bodies are broken, man, that should fill you with encouragement. We're going to get new bodies. This scripture will be fulfilled. Death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? Listen, if the resurrection didn't happen, then there's no hope. But because it did, you have hope for eternity. This life is not the end. It's not. And when you put your hope in Jesus Christ, your future can be secured in him. And so today, we're going to listen to one more song. We're going to reflect on the fact that Jesus died for you. He rose again on the third day. And because of that, you could have new life. And in a moment, I'm going to come back and give you an opportunity to accept Christ into your life and to, to, to step into this resurrection life that Jesus offers you. But before you, you, you mentally move on, to the ham and the potatoes and all that stuff. Just take a moment. And just like we prayed in the beginning of service, pray in this moment, God, what do you have for me today? And my prayer for you is that you have that moment, just like those ladies had at the tomb, where the light goes on and you're like, oh my goodness, it really happened. Jesus really loves me. God still has a plan for my life. And he wants to do something special in my life today. Amen. Amen. Listen to this song.
across this place, close your eyes, no one looking around, and I just want you to reflect what you've heard today, what's going on in your heart, what's God doing in your life, and if you'd like to accept Christ today, if you'd like to make him the Lord of your life and say, Jesus, here I am, just a few things. I just want to give you a path to follow. The first thing that in your heart you could do right now is admit that you're a sinner. Just say, God, I messed up. I'm a sinner and I need a savior. The second thing that you could do is believe in your heart that Jesus was raised from the dead, that he died on a cross for you, and three days later, he rose again. Because remember, this, this resurrection thing is the foundation of our faith. And then the third thing is confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. The Bible says if you confess with your mouth to Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that he was raised from the dead, you will be saved. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. You'll be saved. And then the last thing you do is you just accept the free gift of the salvation that God has given you. You can't earn it. You can't do anything to deserve it. It was when you were still a sinner that Christ died for you. And so you accept it today. And so if that's you today and you say, Joe, that's me, I wanna, I wanna accept Christ in my life with nobody looking around, just boldly raise your hand and say, Joe, that's me. I wanna, I wanna invite Christ to be the Lord of my life, amen, amen. Anyone else? Amen. Thank you, Jesus. I wanna make Jesus my Lord, my everything, my Savior. We're going to pray a prayer together as a church and uh, those that are accepting Christ today and, and those of you that already have, a, already have a relationship with Christ, let's pray this together. Just repeat after me. Say, Jesus, here's my life. I give it to you. I admit I'm a sinner. I need a savior. I believe you died for me and you rose again. Help me to follow you. Help me to live for you. Help me to understand your word. Amen. Amen. Let's give them a hand today.
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thanks for joining us online at Mosaic Church. We hope today's message was life-changing and useful. For more info, visit mosaiccincinnati.com.